Forget it. Wet and Forget, the easy outdoor cleaner. Wet and Forget works over time with Mother Nature to eliminate unsightly black and green stains on the exterior of your home with no scrubbing, power washing, or bleach. Use Wet and Forget on all your outdoor surfaces, including decks, siding, roofs, and patios. Wet and Forget's available in a concentrate or extreme reach hose-in. Purchase Wet and Forget in-store or online at Lowe's, Menards, Ace, or Walmart. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Hi, this is Greg Gurley. Hey, Kansas fans, subscribe to the new Jayhawker podcast. Here's a lob. KJ, a slam. He spikes it down. There's no other podcast with as much access to all of Kansas athletics as the Jayhawker. Kevin dials up a three. Hit it again. Kevin McCuller. You can watch the Jayhawker podcast on YouTube. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's shortly after one. Here on a Tuesday, Jordan Foote joining us as he normally does on the hotline. De- Deputy, uh, Deputy Editor at Arrowhead Report. That's where we'll start, of course, because the Chiefs did it again. Uh, my first question, Jordan, how do you feel about Trips Right, Bunch X Shuttle, Tom and Jerry Right Yellow? It, it Good football play? Like, it, it, it's insane. It's awesome. And naturally, whatever big play is going to be going down and more forever and people are going to talk about it, but just the creativity and admitting that it's a variation or it's based out of like the same corn dog pre-snap motion, like the chiefs football is such a complex and beautiful sport, but the chiefs just don't care. (laughs) They're like, we're going to run that. We have that installed. We've, we've used kind of something similar on this stage before. So um, awesome for them to, dig back in to that bag and I think it was Mina Kimes that tweeted nice of corn dog to like play the, the little cameo role or whatever in the Super Bowl that had a bunch else going on. So it was pretty neat to see. How many of those type of plays does Andy have up his sleeve, first of all? And yeah. how many is he just still sitting on? Uh I don't even know where to start with that. Like you, you break them out during the Super Bowl two years ago. You did virtually the same thing to McCole Hardman to end the game. How many others does he have? I, I just want to see the playbook one time. I, I yeah. would promise to not tell anybody. I would promise to not leak any information. Like I would do all of that. But man, I just want to see it one time to see what concepts he has, what does and doesn't make it to game day. Because there's going to be stuff out there that 
they don't install into the game plan because of either the situation or the opponent or whatever, but um, just the opening script would be fun to see. Um, obviously, you can watch it unfold during real time, but sometimes if you get behind the sticks, it's a little bit different. So just open up that playbook, give me a couple hours, and I would try to mentally uh, take a picture of as much of that as I could. Did you ever think at any point on Sunday that the Chiefs weren't going to win? And if so, when was it? Um, I frankly really didn't, and that's ironic because I originally, if you would have asked me before the playoffs, didn't think they'd get to this game anyway, but I had just seen it before, and the 49ers in the first half, you look at the the Chiefs were shooting themselves in the foot, and they weren't getting anything going offensively. Um, Their drive chart was pretty ugly to Mm -hmm. to start off for the most part. It was just not good. They had the offensive line playing bad. They had the Isaiah Pacheco fumble, the intentional grounding, and then, of course, the patented second and long run by Andy Reid where you're essentially just killing your own drive. Um, They were doing all that stuff, and San Fran wasn't capitalizing. Now, if you take the Christian McCaffrey fumble out of the picture and you turn that into a touchdown, it's 17-3, but you can do that for the Pacheco one, too. So it's kind of the... The catch-22 there, they did not capitalize the way they should have, and I know San Fran is awesome, but we always say in these games, and it sounds cliche, but those games are won on the margins, and when you have a pretty decent margin at quarterback, you have the margin of the timely, um, or I guess untimely for San Fran, the muffed punt that led to a touchdown, that stuff adds up, and they just didn't execute quite nearly enough um, in the end to get that win. I saw earlier today, I don't know if it was true or not, but if it is, uh, I wouldn't be surprised that the Chiefs blitzed Brock, uh, Brock Purdy 27 times, and 23 of those times, those blitzes resulted in just going straight man-to-man on the backside. Mm-hmm. With that being said, and we know what Chris Jones did to Purdy a couple of times uh, and some near misses because of him, but either way, uh, it can't be overstated the importance of Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed back there, and we'll get to potential moves and who to keep here in just a little bit. But, man, that was a, a recurring theme, wasn't it, Jordan, over the last 12, 14 weeks of the season at the back end of this defense, and this defense overall was just chef's kiss. A hundred percent, and it went from blitzing to mask for some things, like last year when the defense wasn't doing too well, they played a lot of static too high coverage just to protect everybody. But in years past, when they had Steve Spagnuolo, they would blitz a lot because they had to. They didn't have the yeah. horses to generate enough pressure. Chris Jones wasn't quite 2022 Chris Jones yet, and still he wasn't this year, but still really damn good. Um, the Chiefs blitzed uh, per next gen stats 51% of the time in terms of dropbacks. That was the fourth highest rate in a game with Spags. So they didn't show a ton of, uh, I think my buddy Matty Lane at KC Sports Network said they just didn't respect Brock Purdy and really just executed whatever they wanted to. Um, the secondary, though, you can create coverage sacks, and I know the, the correlation, the relationships between those two, the defensive line, the pass rush, and the secondary are sometimes different, and one can help the other, but... When you have one of the best, if not the best, cornerback duo in the NFL, you have a very competent safety in Justin Breed that really came into his own and is a do-it-all Tyron Matthew type of player. Um, Then you have Mike Edwards, who's a playmaker and fully understands the system. 
if that's your back end, you're going to have a lot of success. And then you can afford to blitz, you can afford to mix things up, and you add that to a diabolical play caller like Steve Spagnuolo, and you're going to have some pretty darn good success on defense. How much stock do you put into, or how much do you believe, I guess, that, and the rhetoric or the narrative, I guess, is out there that the Chiefs knew all about postseason overtime rules and the 49ers <laughs> really didn't. Uh, where do you come out on that uh, that particular phrase? This might be just because my football IQ or just general IQ isn't high enough to take that big of a stance against it, but I don't think Kyle Shanahan really sabotaged them that bad. I don't think this is a first-time scenario, so there's not back data to go off of. Sure. It's the first time they've all been there. I totally get now the problem with the look of it is, A, they didn't know the rule, and they kind of admitted that. B, he wanted the ball the third time when you don't know if the Chiefs would have went for two. Patrick Mahomes says they would have. So that part, it's why he did it that I don't really understand. The fact that he did do it, though, I don't think it really matters that much. Your defense is probably gassed. You just got you know, the the game-tying drive given up. You don't have much of a break before overtime. If you go down and score, like if you think that highly of your offense and your defense, go down there, score a touchdown, see what the Chiefs do and stop them. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think in and of itself in a vacuum making that decision is bad, but their reasoning and kind of their lack of kind of self-admitted understanding of it, I think definitely makes it look a lot worse than it actually was. Yeah, and to that end, I think it's more of a look, a quote-unquote look, bad look, against Kyle Shanahan, who's kind of known as somewhat of a savant. Maybe he knew exactly what he was doing, but his players not knowing is kind of coaching malpractice, if true. And I don't know why Kyle Juszczyk or Eric Armstead would lie. Yeah, or or just admit that. You know, like that's just the entire thing is bad, and it really – we people thought that – maybe Kansas City and the Midwest in general or just non-49ers people were poking too much fun or making it too big of a deal that they seemed a little lax. They didn't seem to be taking it too serious during the week. Like, they did not beat those accusations exactly on Sunday. Yes, they played a good game for the most part, and yes, they were pretty close to winning a Super Bowl, but when you have stuff like that happen and you weren't fully prepared for that scenario and didn't understand the rule now – it could be totally true that five members of the Chiefs or whoever didn't know what happened. But because they didn't end up on that end of it, people didn't ask and say, well, what did you think about that? Did you understand it? Blah, blah, blah. So it's a bad look for Shani, like you said, who is still a damn good coach and a really, really smart guy. But when your players are not fully understanding what's going on there, it, it doesn't help you when you're also on the losing side of it. Just to shift to the 49ers, just for a second, what did yeah. they do wrong? How come they didn't win the Super Bowl? Was it something they did or didn't do, or was it just about the Chiefs' defense? Yeah, well, the, the Chiefs put them in third and seven or longer seven times, and they only converted on those situations twice. One of them was that Trent McDuffie holding penalty that I yeah. think was the right call, but was at least a little bit soft, I think. So the Chiefs' defense just, kind of did the Chiefs defense thing. And coming out of halftime, that was what killed them, I think. And people wanted to bring up, and we've talked about this a ton with the Chiefs, abandoning the run and sabotaging the game plan. 
San Francisco wasn't running the ball well. So in general, in the context of the game, I don't have a huge problem with them abandoning the run at times. The problem for them was when they did it, and it was coming out of halftime. They went three and out three straight times. I think they only ran the ball once on those nine plays. You come yeah, I think that's right. It's bad, and the Chiefs threw that interception on their opening drive. Like They had opportunities to come out and put the game away, and instead they got outscored 10 nothing. The Chiefs took the lead on the fourth quarter back and forth. So Brock Purdy, I don't think he deserves a ton of criticism for it. I think that the offense in general kind of rebounded enough. It's a combination of you're giving Patrick Mahomes a chance to win the game at the end a couple times. You abandon the run coming out of halftime. When you punt three times in a row and you're going three and out, three and out, three and out, you had, what, 12 possessions, so it's only a quarter of your opportunities. But that stretch to me kind of stands out as a really big reason. And then, of course, the couple of turnovers they had. And, yes, they tied the Chiefs in. Um, all that, and they they had two turnovers. But, again, on the margins, both of these teams deserve to be there. And depending on the timing of everything, that's sometimes all the difference that it takes. And maybe a microcosm of all of what you just said can be encapsulated by Mahomes threw an interception to us on their side of the field, and we didn't Mm -hmm. score any points. Crap. Yeah. Yeah, you got to capitalize. The Chiefs punted five times. Like it, it was a game. They won time of possession by a little bit. They made the Chiefs punt five times. They forced a couple turnovers. Like if you capitalize on those things, the Chiefs would have lost by what, ten points or whatever. Or at least San Fran would have been in a, a heck of a much better spot to win instead of at the end saying, "Okay, well now we have to stop the." single best player on the planet from putting up a touchdown when he knows he just needs a field goal to get into a second overtime. Like it was, I don't want to say easily avoidable, but definitely avoidable nonetheless. All right. If you don't mind, Jordan, um, how about some quick hitters on the chiefs unrestricted free agents? Keep, let them go. Any comments you have? We good there? Yeah, I like that. All right. Let's start with Chris Jones. Where you got? I think you let Chris Jones go. Um, I'm not sure if it's a tag-and-trade scenario, um, whether that would net. I really think like a a third-round pick. I I don't believe his market is what it was a year ago. Um, He's going to be 30. I do think, and Andy Reid kind of confirmed this, Chris Jones hinted at it after the Super Bowl. They are going to at least make an effort to get to the negotiating table, but with how last offseason went, I I think he still – perceives his market is really high and barring him hitting that market and coming back on a cheaper deal. I'm just not sure they're going to pony up and give him that long-term contract. This may seem like a funny one, but I'm being serious. Tommy Townsend. Oh man, Tommy Townsend. So he, that's a tough one because they obviously he is unrestricted. They can't place a tender on him. Um, he was a little bit up and down this year, and in 2022 was absolutely fantastic. I think he's a good punter. The Chiefs, obviously, this year had to factor that part of the game in a little bit more than they had in the past. So depending on his market, I'd say bring him back. But if it's anything more than like the $3 million a year he was uh, projected to make extrapolated this year, then you probably just let him go. Legereus Sneed. You lock up Legereus Sneed to, let's say, a three-year, uh, $54, $55 million contract. I don't think it's going to take $20 million a year to extend him. I don't even think it's a hometown discount type situation. I just believe his market, the combination of his age, you line up his contract to stagger with Trent McDuffie, and you uh, keep the, the two 
of, let's say, the top 10 cornerbacks in the NFL together through, like, 2026-2027. Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith is an interesting one because the Chiefs have the 32nd overall pick. They could acquire a proven left tackle via trade. They could draft a left tackle um, in the first round of the NFL draft. They could believe in Wanye Morris to be the left tackle of the future. But if that's the case, I would argue that you need some sort of competition. And Donovan Smith, despite having some really bad moments throughout the year and even in the Super Bowl, generally got the value that they were paying him for. So I don't think the Chiefs are going to end up doing it, but if I'm in that boat, I might just re-sign him and try to run it back. But he also is not very durable, and that's a uh, tricky situation to protect the blind side of Patrick Mahomes. Willie Gay. Willie Gay's gone. Uh, I think both I let him go and the Chiefs let him go. Uh, I don't have – I'm pretty confident in saying that. The Chiefs are going to – bring a full court press to Drew Tranquil to try to bring him back. I also don't think his market's going to be crazy. Willie Gay, if the grass isn't that much greener and he comes back on a cheap deal, that wouldn't totally surprise me, but I do fully expect that he's going to hit that market, kind of look around a little bit and at least see what's out there for him. Anybody else among the remaining folks that uh, you have thoughts on pretty strongly one way or the other? Are there any? Yeah, there are a couple. I think, well, not necessarily strong thoughts on this guy, but maybe McCole Hardman comes back as, let's say, you sacrifice Kadarius Tony to the free agent market and you give McCole Hardman that one year $2.5 million or whatever it is. So he has experience in the system. He can do a couple of different things for him. He can also do the gadget stuff. He also has return experience. They also seem to really like him. So you, you suppress his role a bit in 2025, or I guess 2024, um, bring him back. I think that Mike Edwards makes a lot of sense to return to the fold as safety number three. Also don't think his market is going to be too insane. And then a couple of players that I didn't think I would ever be talking about, and really the first one more than the second, uh, Mike Pinnell and Tershawn mm-hmm. Morton. And Mike Pinnell, probably more of an organizational depth thing where he comes in like he did this year and is on the practice squad or is the very last interior defensive lineman in the room because he's going to be 32-33. Um, but him and Wharton really made a difference. And the Chiefs, I believe, only have Neil Farrell under contract um, in that defensive tackle room for next year. So Derek Nadi, very up-and-down player, very up-and-down year. I, I would be content if I was the Chiefs letting him go. But Maybe you bring back a uh, familiar face and then definitely keep an eye on Mike Dana on the outside as well. Am I being too romantic about Drew Tranquil and the job that he did there at the at the beginning of the year with injuries? Well, look, man, I, I'm not trying to dog on Nick Bolton, I promise, and it's so easy to do because people do it all the time. But Drew Tranquil is their best linebacker, I think. And I don't know that it's too particularly close like I think he is a very very good player Um, he should be getting all the praise for what he's done he's only 28 years old so you can still get a couple more good years out of him he played through every nick and bruise he had throughout the season stepping in when when they signed him it was viewed as a luxury signing and they're like okay well they have Leo Chanel they have Willie Gay they have Nick Bolton he ended up playing on for weeks on end, 100% of the snaps, 99 twice, <laughs> 95, 98. Like, he gave them way more value than he was paid for. And I think the fact that he hit free agency for the first time when he was a year younger, coming off a great year, 
and got, what, one year, three million with upside of five, the Chiefs can probably get him back for that. And I think the combination of the winning culture and his experience and that bond with Steve Spagnuolo, I would lean that he does uh, return as a Chief. And so for the second week in a row, we have Royals and Chiefs talk, and you don't really have to shoehorn one into the other because of the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. And with Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, announcement last week, and now at 2.30, apparently today, press conference to unveil the site of the proposed downtown stadium when it comes to the Royals. What do you expect to hear? Uh, can they at least not screw this one up? And uh, <laughs> what are your takeaways going to be if you had a crystal ball for an hour and 15 minutes from now? Yeah, that, that first part is asking uh, quite a bit with, with this stadium talk. It's been a abject disaster so far, it seems. But um, they're having a press conference at 2.30. They're going to be announcing the new ballpark site. So it was between the uh, East Village and then – the downtown KC crossroads district, Sam McDowell of the Kansas city star dropped a report last night. And we were kind of in limbo a bit because we were going to record the one more late podcast for KC sports network on Monday night. Didn't know what was going to happen. Then McDowell provided some details. So um, his sources indicate that it's going to be the crossroads district. It's going to be um, majorly involving the, the old KC star press pavilion on McGee, going to connect in with uh, I-670. So there seems to be most of a plan, and they're supposed to have renderings. They're going to have economic data. They're going to have a uh, community benefits agreement that they're going to talk about. The whole panel is going to go up there, including John Sherman. Talk about that. So I anticipate a lot of questions coming after it. I anticipate a lot of this is what we plan to do, obviously, because none of this is, is totally concrete, no pun intended, but getting a site <laughs> and narrowing down to a site and finally having some sort of direction is something they haven't had for a while. So from that specific standpoint, I think that um, this news conference is going to give clarity for some people, but of course there's also going to be the crowd that wants to know a little bit more. What detail do you think is most important for John Sherman to absolutely nail when it comes to this press conference that will make the majority of people satisfied slash slash happy about this? Yeah, it's tough because I don't think you're really swaying opinions too much at this point. Like there's a, there's the two camps that one absolutely hated the idea and now watching this unfold has said it, it, they were right. There's also the camp that said it's going to happen whether you like it or not, and, and now. Of course, that's moving forward. So I don't know if there's a ton he can do specifically besides provide detail without going too far into it. And like, don't write checks that you can't cash. Just yeah. go by the book of the presentation. I'm not trying to give him a, a public speaking course. He knows more than um, anyone else pretty much on stuff like that. But I, I think winning people over by just giving them – a very succinct breakdown of this is what it is. This is what we have to present, show some presentation stuff. Um, and then leaving the questions I think are going to be the most important part after the presentation itself is probably pre-prepared and they have their ideas for that. But um, depending on what the media and attendants have to say, that's going to influence, I think some of his answers, of course. What's most important to part uh, about what you do up there between at our head report or one Royal way. What what's can't miss right about now, because it's a confluence of two Kansas city sports. Where should we go? What are you going to roll out for us? 
Um, I'm very bad at picking one option when proposed with two, so I'm just going to push people everywhere. I'm going to say go to the One More Away podcast. We talked about um, the spring training schedule. We have pitchers and catchers down there today, some position battle stuff, um, top offseason moves. And then Arrowhead Report has literally billion articles, pre-Super Bowl press conferences that are still relevant, post-Super Bowl press conferences, uh, snap count analysis, thoughts on the game. I have a, a piece that I really thought turned out well about the Chiefs dynasty that I'm surprised we didn't mention that word a single time so far, which is no kidding. Yeah. We both Um, kind of dropped the ball there. Yeah. So we we should have taken that opportunity, but I guess I, I just kind of did at the end, but plenty of stuff out there, man. Okay. Before we go, there's not a real question. So it's not even a debate, right? We can't, we can't even go back and forth on this. This is a dynasty. Yeah. No, as somebody that last year, when they won, I was like, guys, I'm sorry. It's not a bleeping dynasty. If they win one more, then there's no debate. It wasn't like, okay, then I'll think about it. It's like if they win three and five, I don't care what definition you look up. I don't care if you want to get technical. That is a dynasty. And then you factor in the regular season success. You factor in just getting to the AFC championship game, getting to overtime of that. Like every context and subcontext of the dynasty, and they have the the MVP winning quarterback twice. They have the best player in the world. They have the coach. Like every qualitative and quantitative measure that you can take um, to talk about the Chiefs, regardless of what happens next season, regardless of how quickly this ends, it is unequivocally a uh, dynasty of Chiefs football. Yeah. See there? We agree. Great stuff once again. Have a great rest of your week, Jordan. Appreciate you. Yep. Thanks a lot, James. Jordan Foote, at Foot Noted, deputy editor at Arrowhead Report. You heard him, co-host One Royal Way. If you like either or both, he's your guy. Jordan Foote, our good friend, joins us every Tuesday. 126, and we come back, what happened in Lubbock last night? We'll examine next. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. I tend to second-guess dinners with friends because they're often interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon Pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit Creon.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N.com. Sponsored by Ab. 
Natalia, solid dismount, but that little pause is a deduction. Top tumblers hope to stick the landing with Coach Jasmine. That aerial sequence still needs work. She needs more certified athletic trainers to find her balance. Focus. I'm going to need you for the all-around. Wait, who's spotting the vault? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Gear up for an unforgettable weekend at the Kansas Open Season Sportsman's Expo presented by Progressive and Can-Am. Join us at the Overland Park Convention Center for March 8th through 10th. Discover hunting products and top-notch gear, all at show-only prices. Showcase your trophy buck in the trophy deer contest and learn from industry experts. Snag your discount tickets in advance at OpenSeasonSportsmansExpo.com. The Kansas Open Season Sportsman's Expo. Free rain coffee, official coffee of the expo. Wichita's home for Chiefs coverage. ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. This game just was the microcosm of our entire season. Man, I, uh, I couldn't be more proud of the guys, and I, it's such an honor to be on this team. Uh, I was there when Tom Brady said, I'm turning the keys over to you, and he did it right in our locker room. I knew if we got in the tournament, man, we were going to be a hard team to beat just because I know the guys that we have and how hard we work. When you want the latest on your favorite teams, tune into Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Ed Galliardi is 72. He was a member of Foreigner once upon a time. That's how I want to know what love is on the heels of Valentine's Day. We might have a, I don't know, this might be too much of a daunting task for yours truly, but we might have a Valentine's Day love song Twitter question. What? What love song maybe encapsulates Valentine's Day the best? I don't know. I'm going to have to uh, trick it up tomorrow at some, uh, in some form or fashion. Uh, a little bit later on, Pat and the Pulse would come your way at 2 o'clock. He's down in Derby today. He's making his appearance at CBD American Shaman down on North Baltimore. So go check him out down there. CBD American Shaman. Life is better with the feather. It's uh, 1.30. And unfortunately for you Jayhawk fans, you heard right here on the channel uh, an abject disaster that went on last night in Lubbock. It was uh, hard to describe, although when you really think about it, and uh, Jack, of course, pointed this out last night during a text thread because he bleeds crimson and blue, but he's not wrong about this. There are some things that Jack knee jerks and is over the top about, and Jack whines a little bit too much, but he's spot on on this one. There's one guy. There's one. Oh, you're still there. There's one guy on every team virtually when KU goes on the road that is on his head that game. Well, just when you thought nobody could get any hotter than somebody from Iowa State, or somebody in Manhattan. Uh, Darian Williams said, yeah, how about this? 30 points on 12 shots. Played a virtual perfect game. 
if not for one turnover, I would uh, nominate him for maybe the game of the year considering the circumstances. I know it's a regular season game, but you got nationally ranked KU coming to Lubbock. And Darian Williams scored 30 points on 12 shots, grabbed 11 rebounds, had three assists, one block shot and two steals in 37 minutes. And just the one turnover. Beyond that, though, to uh, spin this into a 180 and examine this from KU's perspective, they already knew they were going to be without Kevin McCuller. And even armed with that knowledge, only Marco Jackson got more than five minutes off the KU bench. And he was just okay. He had seven points but picked up four fouls in those 24 minutes. Anybody else that got minutes off the KU bench, it was just token uh, minutes, including... Michael Jankovic, he actually got somewhat non-mop-up minutes as a probably a move of frustration more than anything else. And I think that was, was that before or after Bill Self got the heave-ho. Do you remember that, Jack, when Jankovic? I think in? it was roughly around the same. I think yeah. Jankovic came in right after. So, anyway, there are plenty of questions here. And I hate to bring Jack down on a on a Tuesday. But man, what did that say more about? Hunter Dickinson, who only had five points in 30 minutes? Or Kevin McCullough's importance to this team? I'm not suggesting that if he plays, the result would have been any different. But it's a butterfly effect. It's a trickle down. Um, what happened last night? And what do we think about moving forward Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCuller and his availability for this team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would be naive and not bringing up that Kevin McCuller not playing absolutely had a factor. Do I think him playing results in a win? I don't. Um, you got your ass kicked and you got your ass kicked for a reason. Right now, this is just not a good road team. And we can sit here and talk about sunshine and rainbows and orange slices when you lose in the Big 12. Oh, it's because it's a tough conference. Listen. Everybody's dealing with this conference, and KU for two decades has been the top dog in this conference. You don't get that excuse. I'm sorry. If you are Kansas, you are supposed to win games against unranked teams on the road. I don't care about the environment. I don't care about the stakes that are on the game, and I get it that KU deals with a lot of hostile environments before, but it's not like this is anything new from previous years. They've been dealing with the toughest environments for two decades, maybe even three decades at that. Um but in this game, listen, it's very simple why Kansas is losing these road games and why when they lose, it somewhat looks like this. Maybe not to the magnitude. I mean, you lose by 30 points. That's happened like three times in the Bill Self era, and it was yeah. the yeah. USC tournament game, and it was against these Red Raiders back in 2018 and 19. Um, but it's very simple. It's very easy to guard Kansas right now. And, you know, for Hunter Dickinson, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's a terrible basketball player. I mean, he's averaging, I think, still 18 and 10 or 18 and 11. But the reason that it looks so awkward right now and tough and he's missing bunnies, it's because the defense just goes, all right, we're going to double-team him, triple-team him when he gets the ball. Because you know what? Nobody else is going to make a shot. You you throw it out <laughs> of the post, nobody's going to hit that shot. Not with Kevin McCuller out. I mean, Dewan Harris Jr., he can have his moments. But he's not going to fire 
you know, five, six threes a game. Johnny Furphy, who was sick last week, he's like two for his last 15 shooting it from deep. K.J. Adams, all of a sudden, is not shooting the ball as well because he's being forced outside the paint. And then you come down to Nicholas Timberlake, Marco Jackson, you know you're just not going to get the level of consistency there. So when you're getting double teamed and triple teamed and, you know, beaten up on, yeah, it's going to be hard to score. And I think Bill Self last night, I mean, he said in the post game that he wasn't getting ejected, but I think he did exactly what Norman Dale did in Hoosiers, which was this. Yes. Kick yes. me out of the game. You put me on. <laughs> well, kick me out of the game and I'll start screaming like a mad fool. Well, I guess you got your reasons. You're out of here. Very, very good comp right there. Yeah, he'd seen enough. There's no reason for me to stick around any longer. You guys started this mess. Go ahead and finish it up. The The thing that stuck out to me, well, there were two of them, Jack, and they weren't necessarily analytics. They were really front and center and stuck out like a sore thumb. The rebounding disadvantage was minus 16, and KU got zero second chance points. At some point, a second chance point is just let's not give up. Uh, that was borderline on display last night uh, as the roof started to cave in on them. Yeah, and, and you know what? You can sit here and use the excuse of well, every player plays well. They've got their career performance, and yeah, will uh, what was his name? Darion Williams ever played that yeah. well again? No, there is no. no chance he ever has a game like that again. His entire career, I don't care. If he's as good as LeBron James, not even LeBron would have a game like that where you're 12 for 12, 30 points, and 4 or 4 from deep despite not hitting more than three threes this season in a game. like it, That does seem to happen more often to Kansas, um, and maybe it is that when KU goes on the road, every team treats that like the biggest game on the schedule, and you got the crowd behind you, and you're fueled up and, and ready to go, but it's not an excuse, right? You got your ass kicked by 30 in this game. You can't you know, have your tail between your legs and go, well, it was a tough environment. Not everybody deals with that. So what? I've seen a lot of Kansas teams deal with tough environments and find ways to win those basketball games. Right now, simply put, they're not tough enough. They can't rebound. They don't hit the big shots. Defensively, they're getting bullied down in the post. And maybe it is. At the end of the day, this is just a team that's not going to go far. Uh, Maybe it's a team that's a, a first weekend exit team. Maybe it's a team that loses their first game in the NCAA tournament. I get it. The Big 12 is really, really tough. I get it that they are banged Will up. Will you at least admit that? What? That the Big that 12 the is Big tough? The Big 12 is really, really tough. Yes, obviously. I think it's I want to hear you I want to hear you say. The it. Big 12 is tough, but I also think you can only use that loss so or that excuse so many no, times. No, 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 no. Don't qualify it. And it doesn't have anything to do with compared to KU or as it relates to KU. The Big 12 is really, really tough. Absolutely. And if you need to lay on the couch and we need to meet for multiple sessions, <laughs> we will. Because you need to come to grips. No, you're right. And you and I texted this last night. And from an outsider looking in, I thought that, um, and it's second nature to you and your kind, Bill Self has to tell his team every single year that you're everybody's Super Bowl. So get ready for it. And no, it's not a complete over a turnover of roster and personnel every single year, but all these new guys that uh, come on the team every year, he's got to try to convince them that you're every you're there's a bullseye. There's a target on your back and people are going to play you uh, in ways that they won't play Baylor necessarily, or um, pick your run of the mill, big 12 team. Well, this year there aren't really any run of the mill, big 12 teams. And 
when you couple parity with KU, you're going to get everybody's best shot. No, you don't necessarily come up with a 29-point loss very often, nor should you, because that brings into question your manhood a little bit. But this particular year, just look around. The Big 12 is tough. Day in, day out, week in, week out. KU's got OU coming up this weekend and a chance at a bit of a redeemer. Jack, before we move on, I'm old Jack Young. Mm -hmm. Does Bill Self make them watch the film like 10 times? And make it hurt, or does he wad it up and throw it in the trash? You know, I've seen this uh, in the years that I've been around and have closely followed Kansas basketball. There's a way that Bill Self coaches certain teams, um, and I think it's how they respond to it. You know, I remember, you know, I'll never forget the 2013-14 team had, you know, Travis Rutherford, Jeff Withy, had Ben McElmore. Uh, they lost to Michigan that year and Trey Burke in the Sweet 16. That was the team that he called the softest he had ever coached. Now, looking back, were they the softest team he'd ever coached? No, they weren't. But he knew that's how they would respond. If you you question their integrity, you question their toughness, they're going to respond really well. I'm just not sold that's how this team responds. I I think there are tough guys. I think K.J. Adams, you know, mentally is one of the toughest guys ever. I mean, you look at his story and how he got here, what he's dealt with this year, that's a mentally tough guy. And physically, for that matter. I mean, he's a tight end, basically. But I do think a lot of these guys are are banged up, and I'm not going to – I don't know the pain they're going through. I'm sure it's not fun to play with. But, you know, sometimes I think that if you fall back on that, you know, we've seen Bill Self now multiple times after losses go, well, we're really banged up. I don't think many teams before that would get the the graces of, you know, or banged up. And he'll always follow it up with that's not an excuse and stuff. But I think he's really struggling with the fact that this team's not responding well to things. Like, I remember after the Houston game, he told the team flat out, hey, don't celebrate this win. And I think there were sources saying that locker room was not fired up and playing, you know, music and feeling pumped up. Like, they were like, we got a big game on Monday. And it was K-State. And what happened? They lost, and it was, well, you know, it's Big Monday, it's a quick turnaround, we're pretty exhausted, and we're banged up. Okay, so an excuse there. Then you beat Baylor, and it's like, well, you're without Kevin McCuller, but we have a quick game. Uh, Dewan Harris got hurt in the Baylor game. Nobody's 100%, and you lose by 30 points. I think in previous years, to some teams, it was like, yeah, it's the softest team I've ever coached. Uh, they have no integrity. Uh, they're pretty weak uh, all the way. Like if you, you'd hear them say that sometimes, yeah, and you know yeah. how they'd respond, they'd go beat the tar out of Oklahoma yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. But unfortunately, Shane, the way I look at this team, if they're not healthy, I just don't know if they've got that that extra gear where it's you know what, screw everybody else. You know, if we're gonna have these hostile environments and and it's a tough conference, well, we're still gonna be that top dog in the end because. Iowa State's dealing with this, Houston's dealing with this, Tech's dealing with this in terms of tough teams they're playing night in and night out. And past Kansas teams, they would find ways to to bust through that ceiling, to get to that next level. And I'm not going to rule it out as an impossibility because it's still a very talented team You know, in terms of the experience they have, five-star talent. They've got that there, but we all know in the NCAA tournament, it's those teams that can avoid games like this. I, I don't know the last time a national champion had a 30-point loss to an unranked team at any point in the season and just or whether it was December or February now that's kind of the alarming part there's seven games left in the regular season yeah. you can't lose games like this and this is usually when we see Bill, Kansas and Bill Self at their best right now they are far from their best they're banged up but don't make excuses anymore because this team uh, they clearly have wildly and massively in every single way underachieved this year
More KU Talk, I'm sure, with Pat and the Pulse from 2 to 4 down in Derby. Uh, definitely more KU Talk with Hawk Talk tonight at 6 o'clock right here on the channel. When we come back, I'm old Jack Young. Next. The Shane Dennis Show will be right back on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Basketball fans, get ready. Sunrise Christian Academy, Visit Wichita, and the Wichita Sports Commission proudly present the second annual Air Capital Hoop Fest, February 15th and 16th at the Garvey Center on the Friends University campus. Brace yourselves for a showdown of epic proportions as four of the nation's top high school basketball teams face off. Teams in action include Sunrise Christian Academy, a local favorite, Link Academy from Missouri, Veritas Academy from California, and Wasatch Academy from Utah. Get your tickets today at visitwichita.com slash get dash tickets. 2023 is gone, but you can still save on your income taxes by contributing to an IRA before the April 15th deadline. Let me, Pete Anderson, investment advisor representative at Vantage Point Financial Group help. I'll get your IRA set up and your contribution in on time. Find me online at vpfgroup.com or by text 316-333-7530. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Osaic Wealth Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Osaic Wealth is separately owned and other entities in our marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Osaic well, your home's in your hands, you build it. Maybe your dream home is the home you already have. With interest rates going up, many homeowners are choosing to do a major remodel with the help of you build it. Make your own choices, control your own budget, do as little or as much of the work yourself as you want, and have confidence that your remodel is done the way you want it. Call or text now 316-260-2044 to schedule your free consultation or visit youbuildit.com. That's the letter U, then buildit.com. Your home's in your hands, you build it. Twin Peaks is the best in the game. Here, it's bigger game days and bolder fight nights. I mean, where else can you find a scratch kitchen that always comes in clutch? Every day, from lunch to late night. Only at Twin Peaks, the number one sports bar. Are you following Wichita Sports Leader on social media? You can check out the latest news, videos, and so much more from ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search ESPN Wichita on your favorite social media platform and get to following the leader now. Be on the lookout for special giveaways that take place throughout the year and weigh in on the action on social media. That's ESPN Wichita on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wichita Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. On that heavy shelf you hung yesterday. Turns out, you didn't use enough anchors. Wait, you didn't use any anchors? <laughs> now you've got an open floor plan. Trendy. And if you have the wrong home insurance, you could need a wall of money to fix this. So get home insurance with Allstate and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Nah, nah, honey, I'm good I could have another, but I probably should not I got somebody at home It's been a long night here And a long night there And these long, long legs 147 I'm old Jack Young Kansas here Happy to be here 
sitting in for Pat. He's down south in Derby. He's been all over the place these last two weeks. He's going to be in Leavenworth yeah, tomorrow. He's, that's true. Yeah. The studio's going to be foreign to him. We should do that thing where we do like one subtle change every day and see if he notices. See if he notices. Yeah. yeah. Well, the next time he walks in, throw some confetti and say, oh, welcome back. You know, have every all streamers hanging up. Yeah. Oh, man. I should know this. I think. But I don't think I do. Is this a guy? It is. Uh, I think I've got it. Uh, Jack, don't say anything. Who do you think it is, Chance? Me? Yes. Andy Grammer. Okay. Don't say anything, Jack. Chance is uh, Adam Lambert a solo guy or is he in a band? Ooh, that could be it. I, I, it. It could be either one of those two. I, uh, Adam Lambert, I feel like, is in Maroon Five. No, he's in one of those bands. I'm not sure. Okay, well, you're just a young version of me. Yeah, no help. Well, I remember because I feel like this was a song that I liked right when I got like was able to download my own music on like my iPod or iPhone. And I remember it being an A name. So when you said Adam Lambert, I was like, shoot, that might be it, too. I kind of remember this but being you said, your name. Andy Grammer. Andy Grammer. Final answer, Jack. This is Kenny Chesney. No, I'm just kidding. It's Andy Grammer. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'd know if it was Kenny Chesney. I'm waiting for the day that you confidently pick somebody, and I'm just a complete 180. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> but it won't happen because you're either – that confident and it's a can't miss or you are nowhere in the stratosphere. Yeah, that's I want Iguadala. There you go. Laser beams pointed at Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's me. No in-between. All or nothing. All right, it's uh, February 13th. Born day for David Paget. He's 39. David Paget. Man, uh, that's a, a former Kansas Jayhawk for a second. But uh, basketball, yeah, mm-hmm. really high, highly rated recruit. Luke Ridenour, forty-three. And there's another basketball player. Correct. Oregon, pretty sure. Also a T wolf. Mm-hmm. Ah, he's yeah. a sharpshooter. He's a pro. Randy Moss, forty-seven. Can't Everybody, one it. clap. Former. Uh, Marshall Thundering Herd wide receiver, <laughs> pride of West Virginia. And then uh, let's see if I can name it here. Viking, Raider, Patriot, Viking, and then 49er at the 49er, end. 49er, yeah. Do you know where he went? He's also tight. He... Oh, my gosh, yes. Where did he go before he landed at Marshall? Hmm. Was it a Juco? Or was it a Division One no. school yet? No, it was D1. Oh, no. They kicked him out because of the devil's lettuce. <laughs> um, was it somewhere near West Virginia? Depends on your view of geography. <laughs> so I'll take that uh, as a no. Southeast. I don't know. 
I don't know. Florida State. Oh. Yeah. He was, was that, enrolled at FSU. and That was probably during the Bobby Bowden days. Bobby Bowden had to kick him off the team, or he felt like he did. Would, would he, that mean if he stayed there, would he have played with Charlie Ward and that That timeline I'm a little and 96. fuzzy on? Yeah. Okay, yep. yeah. Charlie Ward won the Heisman. Yeah. He's wow. got a 30 for 30. That's um, very good. Called Rand, uh, what is it, Rand University? That's Rand what University, it yep. Because he's from Rand, West Virginia? Yeah. Charlie Garner's 52. Uh, hmm. Wasn't he a running back? He was. Eagles, Raiders. Kevin Stalker, fifty-four. Uh, that was a shortstop. Correct. Gary Patterson, sixty-four. My uh little league Sorry. coach went to high school with Gary Patterson and said he Where? was kind of weird. I don't. Uh, he's somewhere in Kansas. I. Remember, because he, he's from there. He uh, is. Let's yep. see. Roselle, Kansas. Rosel, Kansas. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm looking I mean. right at it, but I wanted to know if you knew where he went to high school, and you clearly didn't. So I didn't know. I don't know where my, my childhood friend's dad went to high school, but he was like, yeah, he was there, and he was kind of weird, <laughs> which I <laughs> imagine Pat- he was. Was Patterson the runner-up before Snyder's return, or the you know it, before it was Snyder again? Was he before or after Ron Prince when he was like the runner-up for the job? Because I'm trying to think how I feel different. like he was after. Yeah, I'm trying to think how different K State football would have been if they went with Patterson instead of Ron Prince. Because I feel like that's kind I of. I don't know, Snyder. Food, I don't think well, Snyder would have returned then. Yeah, right. Yeah, because Gary but Patterson also, would have had him in a good spot. Yeah, well, Ron Prince's uh, coaching tree pretty impressive. Got an NFL head coach, and James Franklin was his offensive coordinator. Where did he come from first? Ron Prince? Yeah. I think it was uh, Virginia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, born in the state, now dead. Would be 70 had he not taken his own life. Donnie Moore. Uh, baseball pitcher. That's right. Yeah. For the Angels. Gave up a really memorable home run to Dave Henderson on the Red Sox back in 86. 86 had that World Series between the Red Sox and Mets, famously, of course. But the Angels were pretty much one pitch away from beating the Red Sox and going to the World Series. But Donnie Moore gave up a home run. It's pretty uh, haunting death, too, as well. That's kind of of pretty much why he, yeah, did what he did. Very sad. Mike Krzyzewski, 74. No, 77. Blah. Um, puke blue devil coach. Can you spell his, his last la- name? No, and I don't <laughs> okay. care to. And I okay. witnessed his last game that he ever coached, and it Did was they win incre- or lose. No, they lost to Carolina in the Final Four. Huh. And you I saw recreated. him waddle off the court. For the you should have recreated that. Recreated that photo where it's like went to my haters' biggest funeral to make sure he was dead. Yeah. No, that <laughs> oh was God. that was so satisfying. That was the first and only time I had seen Coach K in person. And I just love the fact that his career ended losing in the Final Four to a bitter rival. It does not get much better than that if you hate Duke. You yeah. saw that in person? I did. Because K, you played right before that against Villanova. So when you go to games played by Duke, Mike Krzyzewski's 0-1? Yeah. <laughs> He'll always be. I've never seen him win a game. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> Shove it. All right, there you go. 
there's your show for today. We will talk to you again tomorrow on Valentine's Day at noon o'clock. For Chance and for Jack, I'm Shane. Thanks for listening. Stick around, though. The Pulse and Pat from Derby. CBD American Shaman, next. Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.